Welcome to Sharon Feelings. My name is Chris Sharon. Hey everyone, I hope your new year is off to a positive and productive start. Quickly before we get into things, I wanted to mention one of my favorite podcasts, Words That Move Me, hosted by master mover Dana Wilson. Her latest episode will give you one creative, thoughtful, and surefire way to keep your New Year's resolutions. She is inspiring and delightful and so dang smart, so please make sure you check it out. Alrighty, bringing it back to now, we have another inspiring episode coming your way. In this episode, I'm chatting with another old friend I haven't spoken with in quite some time. Actor, musician, writer, composer, teacher, all-around superstar, Mr. Adam Magnaca. We begin by discussing our shared love of Toronto, or as the locals say it, Toronto, and he catches me up on all he's been doing this year. We continue to agree on almost everything, mostly our appreciation of slowing down and enjoying life's little moments. For whatever reason, Adam has me cracking up over and over again as he mentions this simple but ever-so-true phrase. It's just life, baby. It's not that deep. Enjoy. Yeah! <laughs> how, how many idiots does it take I, to figure out FaceTime? How many millennials does it take to make a phone call? Oh my god. <laughs> oh, this is great. It's so good to see you. I'm 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 happy with this little accident of like now we can video call. You know, I was just like afraid because like I was worried. I started doing this when I was in Toronto and mm-hmm. oh, and come so on, I understand how the locals say it. Uh, Toronto. Toronto, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like this, I, I didn't have cell service, so I had to do it with FaceTime audio. And I would do it like in my bathroom because for whatever reason, that's where the best <laughs> service was. So I have like all these like scary thoughts that like the phone's just going to crap out all of a sudden. Mm, but we're right. like, what, 10 miles away from each other, so I think we'll be fine. <laughs> did you ever, like, get a SIM card when you worked overseas? Yes, when we did, I did, like, the Europe one, but I didn't get it until, like, I left and went over there. Got it. So, yeah, it was so cool, like, being in Canada. I felt, like, so distant because if I stepped out into the world, like, I didn't have a way to call anybody, and it was just like... Yeah. You forget how, like, reliant we are. And I know I certainly did. When I did uh, the ship, we had rehearsals in Hamburg. And then we right. were just, like, doing our own thing forever. It was all in Europe. And, like, I didn't get a SIM card out of time because I was, like, a cheap bitch. And I had just graduated. <laughs> um, I was like, I got to pay these loans soon. So I'm not going to get a SIM card for 30 euros or whatever it was. Yeah. Even though that's nothing. <laughs> but it, it made me so much less reliant on my phone. But it meant when I did get back to the ship and got Wi-Fi, I was like, oh, you know what I mean? It was like... Absolutely. Just absorb, absorb, absorb. Yeah. yeah. I, sp- I, I spend too much time on Twitter. Not to like, like hear what people have to say because I don't really care about that. But it's, <laughs> that's where all like the football news lives. Okay. So that's where I get a lot of my information from. And that's like, you know, we I talked about that in that email we... Uh, sent back and forth but that's where all like the information is and all the articles and analysis yeah. and film study and stuff like that so that was like my crack and it was like the only thing I had over there that brought me back home yes you know what I mean yes so. absolutely yeah I remember like especially if we were doing like on the east coast like down to Port Canaveral and stuff like Mm -hmm. we would just have like all these days at sea and then we'd get to like maybe like Key West or the day we got to Florida after like weeks of being like 
where you didn't have service, you know, we would just go up, you know, to the top deck and just like be on our phones and be like, what is go? What are we doing right now? Like just, just to, like scroll on Instagram or Facebook, like absolutely addicted. Oh man. Wow. Do you like Toronto? I absolutely loved it. I freaked out when you told me that you were born in Canada. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. That I am so jealous. I would not be here if I were you. I would. <laughs> well, it's a bit. It's uh, you know, I have a van ready to go. I was like, uh, Canada recognizes polygamy. I think legally, so I, I was like, I'll marry you. Yeah. I'll marry you. We'll all go. It's we'll no all problem. get there. Yeah. I, I mean, I yeah. haven't been as an adult to Canada in a while, though. Oh man. I remember, the last time I was in Toronto was my dad's mom and dad their 50th wedding anniversary so oh, it's just wow. me and my dad who went because my brother and my mom had something else going on and I, there was like a lot of family that i'd never met before there and some I, I don't even know how he was related to me or if he was at all but some like older very stern military man came up to my dad and i he looked down at me i was like 12 he was like say the name of the city you're in i was like toronto he looked at my dad he was like good job and i never saw him again <laughs> just patrolling the streets making sure everybody everybody belongs <laughs> yeah exactly that's hilarious i mean yeah absolutely it's probably one of my favorite cities it, that i've ever been to i just like and and it's possible that my thought of it is skewed because i was there working living downtown in a like a really nice apartment i was being put up like making the money like my life was good so like you know i never really struggled in toronto i'm sure people who like struggle there have different opinions of it but it's so clean and just like beautiful and like everybody's so nice and just yeah it's i would be there in a heartbeat we went because we rehearsed there but then Kristen and i we took a trip i think this is two years ago right after christmas we just drove up there for like three or four days stayed in an airbnb and just like oh how nice yeah it was so nice and then we went up there again for a wedding uh last summer so like we find we keep finding our way to get there because it's just it's wonderful yeah and it's a, it's a cool, you know, parallel to New York because yeah. New York loves to say like we are the melting pot, we have everything. But <laughs> Toronto is like the mo- is is more diverse than New York. Definitely, I definitely. always say it's like if you take New York and just went, <laughs> you got like Toronto. I feel like that is just Canada as a whole. They've just like done everything slightly better, <laughs> you know, just like they have more shit figured out. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's the I best. Don't argue. I'm good, man. Yeah, I'm I'm very good and I am just so excited for this. And like I, I haven't spoken to you since like you've been married. <laughs> I, I so much has changed. Yeah, I mean I have been reflecting so much. My last episode was with Phil Sloves. Yes. And we were just talking a lot about how like it's good to reconnect with old friends, I think, because you remember just like actually how much growth you've done. And I realized that like a lot of my pictures of people and just experiences really are so far in the past that like if I want to give myself the permission to grow and change and evolve, then I also have to do that for everybody else. And so what I think of when I think of other people or places and stuff, it's all most likely different now. And you just like open my eyes to that even more 
with your answers to the questions. And I haven't even talked about this on the podcast yet, but I like to send these questions. I started doing it when I sort of revamped the podcast and just like came at it with a new perspective and sending them out. And it's because I don't want it. I never wanted it to feel like an interview. You know what I mean? And like as if like we're going to uncover some sort of answer during this, you know, like I think I like the idea of it being a conversation. But those questions to me help to like stimulate the mind a little bit. And then I get those answers back from you and I'm just like, I don't know, I wish you could see my face. I was just smiling and I just felt connected to you in what you wrote. And I'm just like so excited to share all of that with everyone right now because you have a beautiful soul, man. Oh, that's really kind of you to say. I I listen to the podcast. I'm a podcast guy. I love that. I love that. You either are or you aren't, I feel. You know, like... I usually listen to one to fall asleep to. and, And the other night I listened to the one with you and Phil. And I ended up staying up till 3 a.m. like finishing it. You know what I mean? I was like, uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, I God, love I totally that. that. Yeah. I felt like I was in the room with you guys again. You know, I have I have lots of good memories. That crazy take flight show was like <laughs> first semester, freshman year. I have lots of good memories like just joshing around. I don't know. It was it was a very cool experience for me that very first time. Yeah. And yeah, it was really funny. It was a great group of people. It really was. It really was. And I think so much of me was ready to move on from school that I didn't like fully appreciate what, and I guess this is true for anybody at any time, especially when they're younger. I didn't fully appreciate how amazing it really was. And just like the safety net that we had and just like the group that we had. And I think as many things that were crazy about it and like a lot of what made me sort of spiral and be dramatic and be depressive at times like all that stuff just like instantly faded away and now when I think back on it it's just like it really was just an amazing time and we were really lucky I think and I just I had that same sort of cynicism when I was like a junior and senior too though I had that exact same perspective that you just mentioned got me to where I am now so that's fine but I do regret that that narrow focus like yeah. especially junior year I was in a show that I thought I wasn't like a great fit for and I was so hyper focused on like how will I be successful how will I make this work where does this serve my future because that's the only reason I'm here paying all this money sure and I didn't enjoy any of it yeah I, I could have you know what I mean I still and I still have that note that you wrote all of us in 42nd street your dissertation. Do you remember <laughs> yes, that? Of course, of course. <laughs> oh my god! I had and way too I, much was time. That opening night or closing night? I think it was closing. Yeah. I remember I read that shit and I was like, "Damn! All right, all right, that's a real actor." <laughs> that's somebody who has way too much time on his hands and doesn't want to do homework. Yeah. Oh man, I remember being so present in the moment because when I got to school, you know, all I wanted to do was just be better because I felt so far behind everybody else in my training and everything and experience. And so I just became so focused. And I think it was a good lesson now looking back in hindsight, like it came with quite a sacrifice, which was not enjoying the college life as a whole, not enjoying those small little things, the experiences for what they are, rather than always thinking like, what's what's this going to lead me to, or how am I going to be better for the next job or whatever? And, you know, yeah, it's so, I, I, I don't have regret or anything, but I think back and now I get to just appreciate all the things that really did happen, because I feel like it was really tough at times in the middle of it especially towards the end when I was like why am I here I should just be in New York like what am I doing here yeah 100% I remember you know answering those questions brought me back a lot to that and 
I talked and, and reflected a lot on like the hustle and like I had this disdain at a very young age for busy work. It just made me want to blow my brains out. I was so miserable doing things that I couldn't see a point to. So I was, and my teachers knew this too. I was like, if you want me to do something, obviously I didn't say this. I was like too much of a chicken. But like, <laughs> right, I was like, if you want me to do something, like you have to tell me why, or I, I won't care. Yeah. I had such a hard time doing things that I didn't care about, which is so like, I don't know what, anyway. No, I feel you on that. Like when you wrote that, I a hundred percent agree. Like that is me. Like, if you talk to Kristen, like, that is 100% me. Like, even in, like, the day jobs or, like, the, the survival jobs or whatever, like, I would do them because I knew, you know, theoretically I need money to live. But, like, that is it. And, like, I wouldn't even try. And, and it got to the point if I was – I can't stay with, like, a survival job. Like, I think the longest I've ever done one totally unrelated to like art in general is, like, maybe three or four months because I'll get to this place where, like, I don't – care at all and I turn into this person who doesn't try and doesn't care and is like so uninspired and not passionate and like I'm like whoa what is this like version of myself so I either need to like find a way to like find that passion in the work or just accept it for what it is because I'm making money and that's what I need I don't know when that happened because in school like in when I was younger in like high school and stuff if the teacher said it, I would do it. I was a student soldier, you know, like I was one of those people. But now I'm just like, I have so much trouble doing things that I don't care about. And maybe that's just as privileged and stupid, but I just, I, I literally can't. Whereas Kristen is magical. She will like, whatever she's doing related to what she wants to or not, she'll just put like 110% of herself into it and like be the best at it. And I, I envy her for that. I think that's a lesson we learn when we're young. You know what I mean? When when you are confronted with something as a young person that you don't want to do, but you do your best anyway, then it becomes learned behavior, and then you can always put your best version of yourself into something, no matter what it is. I differ from you a little bit in that, like, I can see, like, some means to an end. So, like, I was working a restaurant job, which I ended up incidentally really liking. It was, like, at this really nice restaurant and it was like a good group of people so that was fine but like it was the means to the end like this is how I make money no problem I can justify that I can I can make up my own reasons yeah yeah absolutely I think like I'm definitely learning that more in my adult life like sometimes you do just have to do things that you don't want to I mean obviously we can't always just do whatever we want to all the time and like I'm trying to look at it from the perspective of like you really never know what experience is going to teach you what you need to learn. You know what I mean? And I think for me to like cut that source off is maybe doing a disservice to myself. I'm reading Matthew McConaughey's book right now, Green Lights. It's so good. Yeah, he wrote a memoir. It's so good. He's such a good storyteller, but a lot of it's about like finding positivity in every situation and how like, you know, this metaphor of like, you're either at a green light and you go through it or yellow and red lights often turn to green lights and like how to see the positivity and stuff. And it feels to me, at least from what I'm interpreting is that the life that he lived totally unrelated to like art and film and theater and stuff is what made him so perfect when he finally did decide to pursue film like full time and I think I'm so happy that I had the childhood and the life that I did 
even though at the time that I was in college, like I felt behind and I felt like, oh, I wish I was in dance class since I was three, like everybody else. But like, you know, to, to like grow up playing sports and doing all these different activities and having so many different kinds of friends and traveling all over like the neighborhoods and stuff. I'm so happy that I had that, like ex- those experiences. Cause it feels like that's what makes you human. You know what I mean? That's what makes you yeah. whole, I guess. Yeah. I love that. That thought I, yeah, even growing up, I did, I played every single sport except for, I didn't play football with like a league. I just played with my friends and I didn't Same. play lacrosse. But I swam, I played soccer, I played hockey, I played, oh, I had to skate or my parents would disown me. Uh, I played basketball. I was terrible at most of them, and I was, like, fine at soccer. (laughs) So that was the one I stuck with. I missed that competition a lot. I always said, like, I wanted to join, like, a rec league in the city or, like, when I was at school. It ended up not working out, but, like, competition brings out the uh, healthy, not, like, these psychopaths who, like, can't separate themselves from it, but, like, a healthy competition always makes me a better version of myself. Like in college when we had to do callbacks with everyone in the room, which is psychotic. No, no, yeah. yes. Um, but it made me do my best. Yes. You know what I mean? Seeing someone else do something really great and really awesome, I was like, that's awesome. Okay, now I'm I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I, I connect with that so deeply. It's like such a hard balance to find because like, you know, between like supporting everyone and we're all sort of after the same thing but yeah, like healthy competition. I think that is what makes the industry exciting. You know what I mean? Because like at the end of the day, none of us can make the decision. Somebody else is going to make the decision. So we might as well try to like do the very best. And then hopefully the next person will try to do even better. And then we try to do better. And like, right. yeah, I, I love that. Like it's hard to feel like when you don't get it though, that like you still did your best and you should be proud of that. You know what I mean? I struggled with that for a while. It's like, I showed up today, I did my very best, and it didn't work out, but, like, that, that is a separate issue, you know? It's hard to reconcile that when you also have to, like, sacrifice things to get there that you need. You know, if you have to cancel a date because you have a callback, or if you were supposed to, you know, call your grandma or go to work, and you give that up to prep and go to a callback, then you don't get it. You're like, well, I, I did my best and blew money and valuable time with people for that yeah for disappointment yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i guess that's just what we signed up for (laughs) right well but now it's you know it's a new world i haven't thought about performing in a while yeah i mean i do obviously but i don't know i'm still trying to figure out like what exactly my next path is because i've been teaching a lot which has been cool and i've I've been happy with it but that's awesome i don't know that it's my forever thing sure yeah yeah i think it's it's so valuable to share your knowledge with people you know what I mean so I think that that will always be a part of you you know but I think like this time has been really crazy for so many reasons obviously but one of them being just like realizing that life can't be centered around one thing because when it's taken away from you you still have to live you know what I mean there's still a choice to live and so I've been talking with a lot of people about like this idea of like purpose and like meaning of life and finding like realizing that it's not really specific to one thing that like if your whole life's purpose and journey is meant to be performing and you can't do that right now, then what does that mean for you? You know, and like I think that's part of like the childhood that I, that we had, you know, of like growing up and realizing that there's more 
to a human life than just one piece. And, you know, taking this time, this opportunity to teach, to sort of explore this other part of yourself that maybe you haven't really nurtured as much and that you realize that you enjoy and, and like, that's it, you know, right? Like, I think for me, I don't know if you were this way as a kid or that, like, there's always some great grand meaning to something. So, like, if I couldn't find the purpose, the meaning, the reason, then, like, it wasn't valuable. And I think that life is just way simpler, I think. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, compound that with me being, like, a know-it-all shithead. Yeah. You know, that's a very toxic mindset. <laughs> destruction. Yeah, absolute yeah. destruction. I, I think I feel so connected to you. I feel like we were very similar growing up for sure like I was that way too I was like so proud of all that I knew and like I almost I don't want to say judged but probably at the time judged other people for not being on my level you know and like I think that became really difficult for me as I got older and realized that like we're all at different places and there are like a various different reasons why we're there and that the beauty of it is that we're just all trying to live, you know, and we're all trying to make the best choices we can. And that took so much pressure off of my life because I always had to be perfect. You know what I mean? Like I always had to get the best grades, do the best, be the best, beat everybody else. Like I don't really know where that came into existence for me, but shedding all that has like, I'm finally breathing, you know? This whole episode is just going to be like us being like, yeah, I agree with you. I yeah, agree with you. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, so sorry, everyone. But <laughs> the, um, the thing that I noticed in, in college was uh, my friends would watch me do something and like see me be really hard on myself, whether that was like performance or otherwise or academic or whatever. They'd be like, you're really hard on myself. And I used to defend that by saying like, well, I don't hold anyone else to a standard I wouldn't hold myself. And I used to think, like, that was okay. Yeah. <laughs> but really, that's just really nasty. Yeah. Um, they'd be like, damn, I don't know what... You, I don't want to know what you think about me. Yes. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? Yes. And then I had to really sit with that and be like, well, Adam, that's messed up. Yes. And I've... So this company that I work for called Chicken Shed, very strange name. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, it's a program that was started in the UK, and it's, like, an inclusive theater company. They have a huge program over there. They have, like, a campus... And they do shows for kids of mixed social and neurological developmental abilities. And so it's launched over here in New York. And, uh, you know, working with, with kids of mixed abilities has, has really helped me understand and get that perspective that you were talking about earlier. And, and I love the job because it gives me a chance. You know, I'm a music supervisor there, so I, I help decide what kind of music we do, the music that's being written. We have an online show for kids that we made it like a talk show with like, you know, a late night with Seth Meyers type deal, but it's a puppet as the host. <laughs> and I wrote all like the music for it as like, you know, featuring our guests, and then coming down here. So that was really fun for me. And then I also, uh, I'm in charge of like their ASL portion, their American Sign Language stuff. Wow. So we do translations of songs. We include it in our work with students. And so, you know, being able to do all these things has made me feel really happy because when I was in New York, I didn't, everyone worked one job and then auditioned, but I worked five jobs and auditioned. And, uh, you know, I worked a lot of, I would pull like 40 to 50 hours a week, no more or less than some other people I know. But because I was doing so many different things, I felt so much more fulfilled. If I had just one job every day, I think I would go crazy.
I have a really hard time identifying what I want lately. You know, when I was a kid, I used to be able to make snap decisions, like, no problem. Like, I was really confident, like, this or that. Mm, that. That's great. Yeah. But now I'm, I'm paralyzed by massive decisions. I've, I, I'm thinking of adding to my desires and wants and goals of doing some more sports writing. You know, I, I wrote for, it was like this huge, it's the number one independent football blog in Massachusetts at the time. So I wrote for the Patriots for them for a while. And now he was hired by the team and he works as a writer on, on their staff. So I thought, you know, if I can hack it with this guy, you know, surely I got some chops. And there's this program out there that does a course for people looking to study the intricacies of the game, but it's expensive, and, and I'm I'm not really sure that I, I want to do it. And I had a, a really emotional conversation with my mom the other day, and she was like, "You you are love this, and you're really good at it, so you need to do it." And I was a wreck, and she was a wreck, and and I, you know I still haven't quite taken the plunge yet. And my grandparents come and they're like, "Wow, you should do this. Come on." Yeah, what do you think is like standing in your way a bit? Just the money aspect of it. Yeah, I, I I used to think I was petrified by the fear of failure, by failing, like reaching for something and not getting it, but that never felt quite right to me, but now I think I've identified it as the fear of, of, of loss, mm-hmm. of like, the you know, if I pour all of myself into this and nothing comes of it, that will feel devastating in some ways, but, I, you know, I intellectually know that that's not true and yeah. I will be fine, Yeah, but it's so hard to shake that that fear yeah i i was writing about this in my journal the other day actually just like this idea of letting go that like we're really not accustomed especially when we're younger i feel like this idea of like always wanting more 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 like i want to have all all i want it all you know what i mean and like i kind of embody that in a way of like my career and like my pursuits and like i just want more 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 and i want to do it all you know what I mean I want to live in New York and I want to live well and I want to buy all these things and this and that and like I think it's just like this idea that we have and so we never really make room for like the thought process of having to let things go you know for what it's worth I think that you should sort of just pull the trigger I mean something that Kristen has taught me is that money always returns to you and she has this sort of carefree way sometimes too carefree but like most of the time it's it's in a responsible way of just trusting that when the money is needed it will be there and if we need more then we will get more and that's the sort of beauty of it is you can always work another job and get money like you know it's i for the longest time i attached such weight to like finances and financial stability and like money and stuff and I don't want it to have that much power over me and i know that obviously we have to pay the bills and stuff but I also want to live a little more detached from that weight. And since I've been embodying more of that, because I have such a got to save, got to save, got to save, like that's the way I was raised. Once I've detached myself from that a little bit more, like I will say, like I feel lighter. I feel good. Like I really do. Like I was super scared to move into the place that we're in now. We're in the West Village and it's kind of a crazy thing to do. And yes, we could have stayed at one of our parents' house and saved more money, but it was getting to that time where we really needed our independence back and we needed to feel unstuck and like we just pulled the trigger and these last couple of months man september is when we moved have been unbelievably positive for our relationship for our individuality for literally everything like i literally didn't want to come back to new york i was pretty much done I just couldn't foresee, especially during COVID, just coming back to New York City and like enjoying any part of it. And my entire perspective has changed completely. Like it's insane. 
that's really beautiful. And um, I definitely relate to, I think, you know, my parents being immigrants, we moved from Mississauga, which is just outside of Toronto. We moved from there to North Brunswick, New Jersey, when I was two and my brother was four. And, you know, they only moved because my dad's job was like, they're like, you're doing well. He was just like sales guy at this company. They were like, you're doing well. We're going to transfer you to New Jersey because they're not doing well. Um, and my dad's a baller. So he was like, yeah, no problem. I got it. And of course, he like turned their asses around. Um, Amazing. But they didn't come here with a lot. You know, they moved to a country where they knew no one. Wow. Just by, and other people make far greater, more severe sacrifices every day. But like, I think about that now, like that would be really hard. Yeah. And like this town, there was nothing in this town. My mom was telling, because my parents are moving out of this home soon. Oh, wow. Actually. Um, so we're digging through all our old stuff. We're reliving old memories. Mom was like, there was not a grocery store within 10 minutes. So, you know, she was like, you boys were in the car all the time. We we're going, she, you know, she was coming with us. My dad worked and she stayed at home for, for most of my childhood. Wow. Um, I don't know how I got there. But, you know, <laughs> um, something I have about... that power. <laughs> I got, nerv- I got nervous that I was going to go crazy on this, so I, I wrote down impressions to do just in case things got slow. So if, if this goes poorly, you just tell me to bust that out. I got to hear one right now. Okay. Um, I, I do a good Barbara Corcoran, but that's really only when you can see her, so I won't do that. But I am very proud of my Bernie Sanders. Okay. In fact, I was thinking of uh, raising money for the election by sending people videos of me as Bernie Sanders oh. thanking them. But I, I thought, I don't think anyone needs this, so I'm just going to save it for a rainy day. <laughs> but the, the key to Bernie Sanders is the cadence. So he goes, Chris, we're talking about the 1%. He, like, speeds up at the end and then finishes his point really quickly, and he moves his arms like he's conducting, and they always end out to his side. If you want a podcast, you've got to engage the top half of the 1%. <laughs> really loose jowls. And... I don't know how, you know, as he gets older, his, his Brooklyn accent gets thicker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that is so genius. And I do also require a, a fully costumed video of that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I have a birthday gift for you, then. Yeah, great, great. <laughs> the, the best part about the pandemic for me, what an awful sentence, but um, <laughs> something good to have gotten from it has been a lot of time with my parents that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and, and I was talking about my dad with that the other day. You know, we're talking about careers and things because we constantly will share. My dad works in sales for security technology. Okay. And he talks about how he was looking for a new job when this started. And he was interviewing places and applying places and hearing back from some, not hearing back from the others. And I was like, this is what it's like, except all the time (laughs) and like times 50. And he goes, look, I always had respect for that level of hustle and that constant hearing of no, but hearing the relationship between business and acting business was, was really interesting. And hearing him talk about, you know, I can do whatever I want now. Like he started his own company twice. Wow. He left a, a job that he was working and he was like, I want to do my own thing. Left, started his own business, sold that, joined another company and then left again, started his own business and now he's joining another company. Wow. Like, what a badass. Yeah. But like, that's not the way it, it would have worked if this was all 30 years back. Yeah. He would have just had the one job. Yeah. Got, clock in, clock out, go home. <laughs> 
but it's exciting. I can do something like work five jobs, at, uh, one of which at a place called Chicken Shed, <laughs> and and the other at the Ralph Lauren Polo Bar, and then and then now I'm going to study football. I'm going to study football <laughs> on on a computer. If you told someone that 30 years ago, they say you're going to do what on a what? <laughs> When you put it like that, man, I'm just my mind is blown. It's, just, <laughs> it's crazy, but you know, like you said, it, it makes everything so exciting. I think, and like these last couple of months has inspired me in that way. Like, I want to live more free, and I realized that it wasn't actually money that was tying me down, that was holding me back. It was really my own thought process of my potential and of my opportunity and my my ability to seek opportunity and like when I realized that I was standing in my own way and I don't know what happened but it it took it's like one of those things growing up like I don't know if you felt this way too I always had all the answers and then eventually I would learn that I didn't know what I was talking about and then I found out these truths for myself and no matter what advice my parents or friends gave me along the way, I never listened until I figured it out for myself, you know? Uh. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. It just felt painfully familiar. Yeah, it's just... I, it's just... I, I, you know, when I was 18, I thought I, I, I... You know, I had very supportive parents, obviously. Like, they were on my side. Mm-hmm. So I graduate high school. I'm 18. I know everything. Of course. <laughs> then then I realized, oh, shit, you know, I really don't know anything. You, you don't know what you don't know, right? So yeah. then I was like, oh, I don't know all this stuff. So I'm going to go bust my ass and learn it and I I don't regret my college years like how hard I worked you know what I mean because uh, I thought this is a lot of money for a career where there isn't a lot of there isn't a high success rate so if I'm going to do this I need to bust my ass and and I did you know I missed out on some things but I don't I don't regret that I'm, I'm glad I spent the time I always told myself like you won't regret working really hard on this definitely no matter you know what I mean so yeah, and then we get to 21, and I worked really hard, and I thought, oh, great, I worked really hard, and now I know everything. Yeah. <sighs> and then, you know, you graduate, you go, I don't know anything again. And then March 13th rolls around 2020, and I think, yep, now I know everything again. You know, I have my jobs, and I audition, and I do my thing. And, uh, the goal yeah. is you just never know anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The point is you never know anything, so exactly. why bother? Exactly. <laughs> that was a little dark of an ending. I don't think I meant that. No, I, I, I say that to myself all the time, and it's and for clarification, you're right. It's not necessarily like, you know, there's two schools of thought. It's like, well, nothing matters, so let's just all jump off a bridge. Who cares? But I think really what it is, you know, don't not advocating that, but like what it really is is just like I think we just put so much pressure on ourselves that we not only have to work, 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 but also know everything all at the same time somehow without having any experience of it. And like, yeah, we just create these expectations for ourselves. Like I do it all the time. Like, and I have to, I've been getting better at just like stopping dead in my tracks and just saying, whoa, you're doing it again. You're making it out to be like, this is some huge deal that life or death or whatever. I just did it the other day. Okay. I was going to the DMV, which is, you know, most exciting story. Every exciting story starts with I was going to the DMV <laughs> and like, you know, I you had to get because I was changing over my license because my license is expiring and I, I just got my first New York license. So, oh, yeah, I know. Watch out, world. I'll, I'll be driving nowhere. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you can finally get into bars again. <laughs> exactly. Right, right. And uh, so you had to like bring all these documents and stuff. I made sure I have everything. And then I realized on my walk over there. 
too far to turn around that I forgot a pen. And they specifically said in the email to bring a pen, I'm sure, just because, like, COVID and stuff, like, you know, they don't want to be sharing pens and stuff or whatever. And I was like, fuck, I forgot a pen. Am I going to get there? They're going to tell me to, like, go get a pen. And, like, I, I start spiraling into this, like, pen drama. And I had to stop, literally stop walking in the street and be like, dude, it's a pen. If you If there's a problem, I'm sure that between you and the DMV, you'll be able to figure out the missing pen. You know what I mean? And I was just like, whoa, I had like 30 seconds of a moment where I was like really concerned. And like, so those tendencies are still there. And like, they come up a lot more, obviously, when I'm trying to do like a self tape or anything creative, really. And I started all this judgment and freaking out and oh my God, this and that. Man, it's all gonna be fine. You know, like... One of my closest friends in high school used to always say like his philosophy was like it's just not that deep yeah and i i loved that and and i really wasn't that kid but i tried to be yes and, and now that i've gotten older and you know i've learned so much about myself being in this relationship i'm i'm in with jackie for it'll be two years in february wow yes yeah so it's a completely uncharted territory for me but i'm i'm learning about myself like i really am at least now at this point in my life like it's just not that deep it's yeah. okay you know what i mean like things go wrong and i'm like Oh, well, you know, like one day I was, the power went out and I was supposed to teach and I was just like, that sucks. Yeah. So I, you know, I texted my boss and I was like, Hey, I just won't be there. That's nothing I can do. Yeah. That's a, it's, it's simplicity. You know what I mean? And that's what like this COVID and everything has sort of taught me is like, we really need to pull back and we really need to focus on like what actually is important and what isn't. And you realize the list of what actually isn't that important is like super long. And I was the same way. And growing up, I almost would, when people said that to me, it's not that deep, I would feel like it was a sort of a personal attack on me because mm. I prided myself on being deep and thoughtful and emotional and caring and all this stuff. And like, all those are important qualities to have and to nurture. But I think if you don't balance that with realizing that like, oh, the power went out, that's it. You know, like, what can I do? I can curl up in a ball and freak the fuck out and cry in the fetal position, which I promise you I have done time and time again in my adult life. Or I can take just as much, maybe a little bit more control of the situation for myself and just not do that. And that that didn't definitely didn't come easy for me. You know what I mean? But I, I attribute that also to moving to New York, back to New York and in our own space and just everything around us is what we've sort of cultivated together and we're living this life that is ours and the choices we make are ours and we're finally feeling not only like adults but real partners and like this life that we've created is for us and like once I started doing those things for myself for the partnership you know then I started to realize that it, it faded away a little bit that pressure that I had and you should give yourself a lot of credit for that because Thanks, that's, that's a big leap of, of growth you know what I mean especially if you're hardwired to process something in a certain way and then to recognize not only to recognize that it's not serving you but to find another pathway to go down that's hard thank you and it, and it takes a, a lot of like un, undoing the purpose of today's interruption is to introduce the Black Mamas Matter Alliance. In June 2015, Monica Simpson, Katrina Anderson, and Elizabeth Dawes Gay co-organized a convention in Atlanta, Georgia, bringing together experts, activists, and stakeholders from a variety of sectors who were concerned about black maternal health. 
From this meeting, Black Mamas Matter began, and along with it, the development of useful toolkits for activists in the South to improve maternal health. Today, this alliance is working to change discriminatory policies, cultivate research, advance care for black mothers, reframe the conversation on black maternal health, and amplify the voices of black mothers. Their mission is clear. We envision a world when black mamas have the rights, respect, and resources to thrive before, during, and after pregnancy. To stay connected and donate, please visit their website, blackmamasmatter.org, or on Instagram, at blackmamasmatter. I was talking to my mom last night, actually, about the book, Green Lights, Matthew McConaughey, and just like, it seems to me, like I said, the person that he was and grew up being and how he was raised and all the choices he made is what gave him success. And I realized that, like, would I be, you know, I've always wanted to be famous, still do, want the name and lights, million, million fans and followers and dollars and all that, you know, the glory. But I wonder if I achieved that at an earlier age, would I be where I am sort of mentally and emotionally that I am now and who knows but like maybe I wouldn't and like so maybe everything had to happen the way it did for me to be where I am sort of mentally and I feel more like I feel stronger than I ever really have you know glory is a really interesting word that and and because it can be um uh, variable right it, it's it depends on context yeah so like you know if you're chasing glory in the sense of thousands of followers uh, whatever it is you know all that stuff you just mentioned that's a harder uh thing to satiate all the time whereas like getting the lead in your college production of whatever yeah is just as much glory in that moment you know what i mean yeah some would argue more because like there i remember i didn't get a part i wanted i went to go talk to mark hardy's office you know an evergreen uh, uh message from people in that department and I was, like, aggravated because I, I wanted it. And he was like, you know, it's fine that this really matters right now because you're you're in it, so it matters. Yes. And it's fine that it won't matter later. <laughs> but, it does, but it does now, so that's fine. Yes. And I, I'm, that always stuck with me about, like, things that are really important to you in the moment that may seem trivial. They matter to you, so they matter. Yeah. And then when you're not in them and they don't matter, that doesn't diminish what it was. Definitely. I mean, just this idea of glory is really interesting to me because I think I chase that too in in different ways. Yeah. I feel like anyone who's famous that I've listened to talk about their life and how they deal with it in like a positive way, it's like they're always just trying to be the best version of themselves. You know what I mean? Like it's not – if they focus too much on the work that they've done and the success that they've got, then they'll just fade away. You know what I mean? They'll just like disappear in it and – they'll be forgotten, you know? So it's just like... It's the top of that mountain. And then and then you get there, and then you go, well, I need to find another mountain. I've, I've started to enjoy the path more. I remember, you know, as I reflected, you, you asked all these questions. I hadn't really critically thought about my college years as a more a mature adult in a while. And I had thought, you know, I didn't enjoy the, the process, but now I think I do. Now I think I have the wherewithal to, like, really look at something as I'm doing it, being like, this is cool. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a beautiful thing. I love that you said that too. Like, that's a concept I've been sort of reminding myself of over and over and over again, which is, you know, it's all about the process. It's not about the product. You know, it's, it's, it's about how we do what we're doing rather than the end result. You know, it's the pursuit of the end result rather than the end result itself. 
And I still want to climb that mountain. You yes. Know? Like, don't get me wrong. Like I still want to get to the top, but I can like, but I can enjoy getting there more now than I could before. And and maybe I was more efficient before because I had those blinders on and I was so hyper focused with the goal. But now I can you know feel the the snow squishing beneath my boots. I'm really going for this <laughs> metaphor. I'm loving it. Uh, enjoy the the feeling of climbing a difficult pass. Yes. Or throw a rock in my pocket because I think it looks cool. <laughs> Build a cairn or whatever, you know. I, um, yeah, dude. I can pet my my Sherpa you know, <laughs> as we go up. Yeah, I, I'm with you 100. I think, and I'm trying to think of like a way that we can, you know, what's the solution? How do you get there? I don't know if you really get there. You know, you just kind of have to keep going. You know what I mean? Like, I think it comes from failure. I think it comes from not getting to the top yeah. and, and realizing that. And, and not being d- destroyed by it. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you climb a mountain and you don't get to the top and, you, and you're and you like, I'm fine. Oh, that, yes. was, that was actually like a good use of my time. Yes. Even if it wasn't like what it was intended to be. Like I think about all the skills that I've picked up over the years that make me good at other things. You know, like I think I'd be a good scout, football scout or, or color analyst guy because I have all these skills in communication that I've learned over the years and having to talk to different people and work with people, working on the ship, working with people from different cultures and parts of the world. Yeah. It's just a focus shift, you know, without that focus on the process rather than the product or the end result, like, you know, we'll just, I guess, lose sight of like all the living. Jackie went to Montclair. Okay. Too. She was uh, a dance major, okay. BFA dance major. And we didn't, we like, I'm sure we passed each other in the halls a couple times, but like didn't really have any sort of, of friendship other than maybe a nod. Sure. And then senior year, she started to audition for musicals and she got a call back for some tour and a mutual friend of ours, she was like, help, I, I don't read music. I don't know how to sing. They sent me these sides. What am I doing? And a mutual friend of ours was like, oh, this is my friend Adam. He plays piano. He'll help you out. He'll teach you the music. So it was actually on Easter of senior year. I was at my apartment on campus because I was doing a, a project that had a, a meeting that day. But And she was around. So she came over, played the music. And I was like, that girl's kind of cute. <laughs> and that, Anyway, so then I never really thought about it again. I went away on the ship. We stayed in touch. We would like text. We'd be friends. Oh, we thought like maybe something down the line, but then she left and then I left again and blah, 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 blah. And finally we were both in the city at the same time and I was like, let's get dinner. And she was like, okay. And then, wow. you know, from there on. Wow. We actually went on our first date on February 13th. Very brave. <laughs> Neither of us really knew. We were like working a lot. We were busy. It was sort of the only day we were free. And then like the next day I was sort of like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's wild, man. So did you go on your contract away from her? Uh, we both have been on contracts away from each other. But wow. not the ship was, we weren't dating or anything like that. Okay. But So we started dating in February of 2019. Oh, okay. And then I went away for a three-week gig. Then I came back. And then I went for another gig in Colorado. She flew out to visit me in Colorado. Then she flew to do a tour in Saudi Arabia. Badass. Wow. And then she came back, and then I think, yeah. But, I I mean, when we celebrated our year anniversary, we had spent like seven months of it doing long distance. Yeah, that's wild. we're really good at long distance. Yeah. She stayed with my family for a while during the pandemic. 
now she's at her parents' place in Hershey. Oh, okay. Um, so it's a two-hour drive. So it's you know we don't see each other all the time, but we make it work as safe as we can. And um, that's so funny. My good. brother, my brother lives in Hershey. Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> that's so funny. That's amazing, man. I mean, it's like if you can, I feel like if you can maintain a relationship apart, then you just learn how to problem solve better. You know. Yeah, it's a different skill. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's like a separate column in the relationship totally. folder or whatever. You know what I mean? And it's, some, it's something that a lot of people will never need. Totally. Or hopefully don't need. But we, we've gotten good at it, and obviously we're looking forward to moving in together in, in a, a couple weeks or whatever. But in the meantime, like, we're making it work. We're good. Yeah. We, fa- we FaceTime each other and watch Survivor. Yeah. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do, you know? <laughs> yeah. A baby's got to do what a baby's got to do. <laughs> That'll be the tag of this this episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man! So so you going from not seeing each other a lot and now you're moving in together. Are you, what are the thoughts around that? Like especially from going from long distance. Well, I was a bit of a nervous Nelly because you know Mr. Commitment Issues Carl over here. But when the pandemic struck, you know, towards the end of March, we were worried that New York was going to get like shut down and no one was going to be able to leave. Right. So I was like, you know what? I'm just, you know, my parents are a jump hop and a skip away. I think I'm going to do it. And I texted her. I texted my parents first and cleared with them. And I was like, would you like to come with me? Because she lived in Brooklyn and I lived in Manhattan. So we certainly weren't seeing each other then. Sure. I was like, would you like to come to live with my parents for a while? Wow. She was like, yeah, let's do it. Wow. And it was really harmonious and great you know it was an adjustment to always have someone around because i do like my alone time yeah. sometimes i had to be like okay goodbye yeah <laughs> and she did the same but it was really successful and it was a really great like training wheels intro to living together so totally. it gave me all the tools i needed showed me what i needed to be prepared for what i should sacrifices i would make not sacrifices but you know what i mean yeah, like, things yeah. i would change about the way i, I live yeah, I, I think it'll it'll go great. I, I have a lot of confidence in, in living together now, especially knowing now, like having those three months or whatever that she lived here was really helpful because yeah. I don't know that I would have been so ready and gung-ho as I am now. What do you think changed or evolved? Do you know what I mean? Or what is it about her sort of thing? Well, uh, we talk about it all the time about like a partnership. Yeah. Like we always, we always find ways to be good partners to each other. Like obviously like romantically, but also like practically, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm type A where I sort of want things in like a neat little bow. And that talking about it that way helps me a lot to know how to be the best partner for her and how I can explain to her what, what I need. But when we hit like a year, I was like, Hey, I'm going to start from here on out. Like I'm kind of in uncharted territory. It was, you know, I had non again, off again relationship in college, mm-hmm. but this point, this was my longest, like mature adult relationship. And I was sort of lean on her. I was like, I don't really know what, how I'm going to feel when we reach these newer milestones Yeah, because I don't, I don't, uh, this is all new for me and I'm very scared of everything. And now we're moving in together and I was like, this is very new. She was like, okay, I get it. it you know, me too. I haven't loved anyone either. So we're in the same boat now relax <laughs> totally totally and i realized like at a certain point if you stay with the same person like you will automatically cross into this new threshold of like we've never been here before because i've literally never spent this much time with somebody before romantically and like so yeah eventually you're going to get there anyway so yeah i love the word partner and it's it's a word i never even really thought about until i was older 
and it just totally like it gives you everything you need from that word like you really are on a team your relationship is this like team and if you're not both working to better yourselves and the partnership then like it will fade apart like it will fade away like and it seems like you do something well that is also difficult which is like communicating you know like i feel like that's the number one way to solve issues is really just about being open and honest about what you're feeling that's definitely one of my my strengths i think as like a person is being like overly communicative and in a productive way not necessarily like dumping all my thoughts and feelings on you but like how can we get to the bottom of this problem and that's not always the point of a conversation you know not everything sure. needs to be solved and uh, you know i learned that a couple, well, a couple months ago <laughs> me too but, me too yeah I, de- I definitely thrive in those situations where we need to talk something out come to an agreement or a solution or or start something out that happened it's good for us and we're able to do it in a way that is productive not hurtful and i'm sure there will be times where it, where it will be and that's okay too that's part of you know being on a team yeah yeah absolutely you know, fight with your teammates yeah truth uh, we are just, just she's gonna listen to this and be like i'm your teammate. i'm your teammate wow <laughs> <laughs> wow I, her, I had a dream the other night where i it was just like heard her voice like i was like above her and like she couldn't see me and she was having a conversation with someone she was like well, I was really grateful for the New Year's card my boyfriend never got me. I woke up and I was like, hey, you know, hope you're having a beautiful day. Love you so much. <laughs> I was like, I had this dream. She was like, who gets each other's New Year's yeah. cards? <laughs> right right that's so funny i mean that is just for sure a man thing i think like (laughs) i am not doing what i'm supposed to be doing i have to do more yeah jackie and i talk about this a lot like i was like i'm so glad i didn't try and date you in college because it wouldn't have worked yes it's it's it's, it was me and and she's the same it was us as individuals yes we're we're not right for each other that one time and or wouldn't have made the moves to to figure it out like those two people shouldn't be together right two people we're good together yes yes that's so beautiful and like the one of the fears in terms of like marriage i guess is like you're not only committing to the person now but you're committing to this future you know what i mean i think that that is worth thinking about of course like recognizing that that's what you're signing up for but also like no one can predict the future you can be who you are now and commit to the relationship that you have and and give your whole heart to it and work toward something better, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, I guess it's just like everything else we've been talking about. It's like pulling back the layers and realizing that it's just a lot simpler than maybe we're making it out to be, I think. Yeah, it's just life, baby. It's Is not it? that deep. <laughs> I gotta hear you say that again. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not that deep, baby. It's just life. Tip your waitress, try the veal. I'll see you on Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why that gets me so good. I'm glad it does. It's it's such a weird thing that stuck with me. You know, the guy who told it to me, we were like polar opposites in high school. He was like my one really close friend. Yeah. We were not in any clique. We were like floaters. Love it. Yeah. And he was like this huge, like he was my height, but like probably twice my size. He was like this built guy. And I was this string bean walking around. 
and and he was super quiet and reserved and didn't say anything and i was this annoyingly loud theater kid god we're the it was like lenny and carl from uh of mice and men you know what i mean like polar opposites but we just got along so well and he was the one who told me like look man it's it's not that deep and yeah, it's just the best thing he ever said. It stuck with me to this day. I'm so happy that, that you gave me this time, you know? I'm grateful to be here. And really quick, just to plug. Of course. For every review that is left on the podcast, I will donate a dollar to Black Mamas Matter Alliance. So share it, review it, or sorry, comment, whatever it is. I don't know how podcasts work. Yeah, you know, one thank of, you. One of those things. Yes. If you do that. I will donate. I don't know why I'm looking around like I'm talking to you all. The crowd. Penny are here with me. Yeah, the crowd. But I will donate $1 for every review left on this podcast. Well, thank you, man. That's so kind of you. And I really do love you. I really appreciate you, man. Love you right back, Chris. Thanks for your time. Absolutely. I'll talk to you soon.